0: Hello and welcome to Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, that's me. I am in the West Hollywood apartment of my good friend Glenn Gaylord and we're trying something new, which is what I like to call a Dennis Anyone extra. Now for those of you who used to listen to the, the comedy couch, this is going to be a little bit more like that where it's not so much a straight interview, it's just more like shooting the shit, talking about movies we saw, weird thing dates that, you know, guys, whatever, Less of a straight interview. And uh, Glenn is nice enough to be my first Dennis Anyone victim. How do you feel about that? Um, I like being an extra. You like being... It's like a... You're (laughs) like a bonus. And then well, Here's the plan. I'm going to do a little housekeeping up front. Um, We're going to try to have a new Dennis Anyone episode every Monday morning that is a traditional interview, the thing that I've been doing the last couple months. And then sprinkling in Dennis Anyone extras... Here and there to sort of supplement it. Sometimes like um, I just have stories that I want to tell or whatever and then those will be sprinkled in. But the basic episodes will will launch every Monday and they'll be kind of like the things that you've been hearing lately. Um, a few other housekeeping things before we get into the jibber jabber. Um, if you'd like to email me, that address is dennisanyonepodcast at gmail.com. Also, get this, Glenn, I have a tip jar on my Facebook page. That way, if people feel like throwing me a few bucks to help pay for my hosting, you know, like the web hosting, and I had to add memory because there's so much fantastic content, right? So they can do that on my Facebook page. If you scroll down on the left-hand corner, there's a little tip jar. If you click on that... It goes to PayPal and you can, you know, throw me a few bucks if you want. Do you have to do anything extra for those tips? Um, I'll day I'll do a lap dance, I'll <laughs> do whatever it takes. Um, because and I just want to give a shout out to the very first person who left a tip. I wanna thank Clint Richardson in Dallas, Texas. He was my first patron tipper person isn't that amazing going to go clint i love it and i know i was perfect like texas name i me. know it's like yeah he's probably you know doing something texan and listening to the podcast which is amazing <laughs> so thank you if you tip and you want me to say your name i'm happy to do it it really means a lot um also you can follow me on twitter at at hensley dennis i had to switch the name and also dennis c hensley on instagram i'm trying to get with the program with all the social media business. And um, also, lastly, if you want, I send out a monthly newsletter. If you want to get that, you can sign up on my website, which is dennishensley.com. At the top of the page, there's a uh, link called Newsletter. You just go on that and sign up for it. So there's that. And you listened to the Brian Thompson podcast, right? Yeah, I loved it. Now, you know Brian. You've been going to the viewing parties for this true
1: TV show, Motor City Masters. What are they like? Who's there... Is Darby there? No, no. So uh, for those who watch the show, Brian and Shane host these parties each week.
0: Shane is Shane is the tall guy that's kind of a jerk on the show.
1: Yeah, so he, he always gets in like a douchey comment. You okay. Know, he's very, very brutally honest. He's not there to make friends. He's definitely not there to make friends and he <sighs> tells it like it is. Right. And he is not that douchey in
0: public. He's not as big a dick as he comes up on the show.
1: No, but he kind of owns it. I okay. Know, he, 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 like every time he sends a douchey comment on the, the the show, he'll back it up live and he'll say, yeah, no, I really meant that. Okay. And, uh, All right. And, cool. Uh, but uh, so they, they have them uh, at this local West Hollywood restaurant. Right. And it's kind of a, a new hot spot, and it's kind of trendy and it's very loud and many, many people Is are it there gay? eating. Um, it's a mixed crowd. Okay. Uh, but they have this private, semi-private room where we watch it. And depending on the crowd, you can either... Not hear a word of the show each week or you can hear everything right and it depends on who's there So uh, last last week I was saying wow one takeaway from this that I learned is that gay people are really loud when they're watching television
0: So and when it's like when there are a lot of gay people there you can't follow the show at all at all
1: Okay, but, but this past week Brian had a lot of his relatives there and they were you know men <laughs> women little kids and you heard every single word. I thought, wow, straight people are respectful.
0: That's sh- I'm a little shocked, frankly. But you know what? It's a good, it's a good l- lesson to learn. <laughs> now, Brian doodled all through um, the podcast we did together. And I just want to let everyone know that if you want to see his doodles, I posted that on the Dennis Anyone Facebook page. And I also posted pictures that he sent me of the penis gear shift, the designs, and the ultimate finished product. So if you're curious... As to what that ended up looking like, go to the Dennis anyone page on Facebook, and you you've seen that gear shift. It looks like a beer can. It's kind of a big fat, and Brian had to explain it to me. He's like, it's not like there's a dildo in the car. It's like there is a, um, it's like the cross section. It's just you know the he he wrote a little explanation which I included with the <laughs> pictures. So if you're uh, if you're curious about that, and I
1: think who wouldn't be. Once you hear that story, go to the right. uh, Dennis Anyone Facebook page. And w- one thing Brian does during the show, Brian and Shane, is they have, they're have they kind of obligated to live tweet during the show. Oh, right. And so Brian, you know, he's such a gracious guy, yet he can't really pay attention to you at these viewing parties because he's constantly live tweeting. He's got work to do. He's, so, he's building a brand. But my friend Danny and I, who go every week... Right. ...um... Uh, we figured out how to engage with him during the the show. Is we start tweeting him. You tweet him literally and, from and, the same party, and he retweets and favorites what we're doing, even though we're sitting right next to him. Right.
0: It's sometimes. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> he can't
1: be in the moment.
0: He's got. <laughs> he's got. Uh, he's contractually ab- probably obligated. Yes. To tweet. I hope he wins the whole thing. I have a feeling he does well, but I don't I know. I do too. He's getting the winners' at it. you think that's that's called? Because you've worked in a lot of reality TV. Yeah. And you also watch a lot of it. What
1: is a winner's edit? What does that mean? Well, first of all, he, there nothing horrible has come out of his mouth. Right. Even if he said something horrible, they're not putting it into the show. Uh, they clearly love him, yet he's not winning every challenge. Right. But they keep him there because they recognize talent. And he seems to just love being there every second. Yeah. Every time they cut to a close-up of him, he's smiling he's on with one He's having a great Wonder. time. Yeah. And he can rock a V-neck. He rocks a V-neck T-shirt. Plus he lost 20 pounds while he was on the show. So he's Which getting I... hotter and hotter each week as it goes along. That's and right. it's like, that's the winner edit. They, they're not making him look like a fool.
0: Yeah, he's the, um, he's America's sweetheart. I told him that. <laughs> now, um, I met recently with a gal named Kara Santa Maria. And my friend Michael Seldich was nice enough to introduce me to her. And she is a podcaster, and she gave me a lot of really great tips because she has a podcast called Talk Nerdy. So if you like science or if you like good conversation, check out her podcast because she sat me down. I got a notebook out, and she really explained to me how to grow this podcast because it's really kind of my dream to be able to do it and and make a little money from it because I'm loving this. I love doing it. And one of the cool things that um, that she – Talk to me about it, is the number of subscribers, and I was able to go and look at my stats. My biggest podcast to date, any guesses as to who it might be? Because you've, you've listened to most of them. Yeah. Any guesses as to who my most downloaded podcast to date would yeah, be? Yeah, it
1: has to be Willem.
0: Willem from RuPaul's Drag Race, over 10,000 downloads. It's a great podcast. That's amazing, 10,000, man. He must have tweeted it out. I don't know. I'm just thrilled, and thank you, Willem, and thank you... Everyone who listened, but I'm learning all about it, and I also want to thank Kara for for really sort of talking me through a lot of stuff that I'm I'm learning about, and she's a great interviewer. And I listened to her podcast recently with this guy named Phil Torres, and he's a scientist. He's like a butterfly guy, and he's got like a PhD, or he's super. And then it turns out he's he's made all these scientific discoveries. He spends a lot of time in the rainforest. He's 28. And if you Google his pictures, he's a f- so fucking hot. You can't, I was like, I can't take it from this dude. Like, and then at one point during the podcast, he gets out a guitar and sings. And he's S- good. And he's good. He, sang, he wrote a song <laughs> about a frog while he was stuck in the rainforest. This true, This real frog situation that they had. Anyway, what my point is, if you think science doesn't make
1: you want to masturbate. Think again? Think again. You need to listen to this <laughs> podcast. Now, 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 any sounds you're hearing on this podcast that are not human are coming, because right. my dog Sydney is here, and she really is into this.
0: She's adorable. She wants to be immortal. She <laughs> She's thinking she can take Willem. She thinks she can get more downloads. She's
1: in West Hollywood. She has an yeah. ego.
0: Now, something that we talked about on the podcast, and you saw last night, is the play Buyer and Seller oh by God, Jonathan yeah. Tolan. So it's fresh in your mind. Yes. What did you love about it? Everything. Or, or
1: you loved it, right? It, it was great. Um if you haven't seen this and you get you, you listen to this podcast in time, run don't walk. Uh, it's uh, a one man show starring Michael Urie, right. was on Ugly Betty, uh, most well known for that, um, playing five different roles. Uh, did, I and I love it? that he
0: doesn't really do the Barbara Streisand thing. Like he doesn't. He kind of does her, but he doesn't. You don't go. Oh, that's he'd be a great Barbara Streisand impersonator. He doesn't.
1: No, he's capturing a different part of her he's right capturing... he's not trying to nail her that much I, I kind of thought of it as he's catching Barbara Streisand as like a schnooky Penny Marshall
0: yeah okay and that's kind of like... redundant <laughs> but he does her body language like she's a little frumpy and you could see her in these big Donna Karen you layers you just yeah. imagine her it's yeah. an
1: approachable imitation in the sense that you walk out of that show and you do the imitation too yeah. you talk like her everybody wants to talk like that at the end what were
0: what were what did you take away from the story and the themes? Because I think a lot of people listened to that podcast and and heard him talking about right. it. Um, what resonated for you?
1: Well, you know, I came expecting this kind of campy show about a guy working for Barbara Streisand in her crazy basement mall. Right. I just thought it was going to be hilarity ensues. Right. I didn't expect it to be so deeply touching. You know, because it is a laugh a minute. It's hilarious, right. and he mesmerizes you by being able to just transform a theater with one you know being one person and right. making you believe all the five characters that he ends up playing right you get them all you understand how what makes them tick but i was just struck by how jonathan tolens and michael Yuri really mind uh this sort of deep loneliness of the barbara streising character and this this uh there, there's, there's a sadness to it that i didn't expect
0: the and, isolation of it, and the
1: yeah, and and I think Jonathan Tolens to has really thought through what a person who is isolated needs in their life, right? What they seek out, what they, uh, what type of role playing they need to do to find some sort of normalcy, and and how far
0: they'll let people in, and where the line will go, and 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 stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I mean that that you know he still allowed ego to play a part in decision making in that play. Yeah, and uh, it I just thought it was. Beautiful and surprisingly touching.
0: Yeah. The thing that I saw in it this time that I didn't notice last time, and I saw it since I talked to Jonathan, was the main character of Alex, who is the guy that ends up working in the mall. At the end, I was so moved by him. Just him, his disappointment and his regret and how much... uh, you know, there's all these characters around him, but, but, but the one that's closest to Michael or the, the one that's the least sort of uh, affected or, or exaggerated is just this character, Alex, and his heartbreak at the end that this, this thing didn't go right. And I was connected to it because when you're friends with somebody who's famous, you spend a lot of time thinking about how you're behaving. Am I doing it right? Am I did I ask for too much? Did I bring enough? Did you you do all this work? It's so much work to think about all that stuff. And I'd never thought of that before. Not that I've been friends with that many famous people, but in Alex, I saw all that work and all that thought and all that mental energy you spend trying not to fuck up. And it's not because you want them, you want to use them for whatever. It's because. Maybe you like them. It's because it feels good that they like you. And it's fun to be famous. It's fun to hear their stories or whatever. But it is a real friendship. It's not you're using them at all. And you spend so much mental energy trying not to fuck up. And when he, for whatever reason, in this context of this play, did, it broke my heart a little bit. I was like, oh, God.
1: I know what that feels like. Yeah, and it's funny because I didn't think he fucked up. He didn't. He just, he just asked for something that he needed, and spoke up, and you can't that was viewed as being, yeah. on anything. Yeah, he he, uh, you know, he's he spent a lot of time in that play protecting Barbara. Yes, and he you know didn't want to offend her, didn't want anyone else to say anything bad about her, and when the you know he realizes all that energy spent protecting her was wasted. Right, um, and he. What, but what he does learn is that it's okay for him to stand up for himself and be right. himself. Right, right. And that's a great journey for a character to go on. You know? Right,
0: and uh, I, I think I, I related to it a lot. Um, now, you also love to... Uh, you love, you're a movie lover, and you write these great reviews of movies, and you post them online. Um, I want to talk about life itself with you, because I think yeah. it's one of the movies that We both seen, and it's one of the ones that stayed with me the most from this summer. Um, yeah. It's the Roger Ebert documentary, and directed by Stephen James, who did Hoop Dreams, right? And Roger Ebert was a huge champion of Ho- Hoop Dreams, mm-hmm. so I was a little surprised that that never comes up in the documentary. Uh, you know, because he's he, the filmmaker might have been self-aggrandizing, uh, w- yeah. Like presented. they, but they didn't need it no. because they had other young filmmakers who Roger championed, mm-hmm. that were there to sort of tell that story. And I cried a lot in the movie.
1: Did you cry? Yeah, it's it's magnificent, that film.
0: But what really made me cry was the young filmmakers. More than like um, the relationship with his widow, Chaz, or the stuff in the hospital or whatever, it was the young filmmakers, because they talked about how he saw something in them when they were nobody and encouraged them. And I, I could see in their stories like, oh my God, somebody saw it and somebody believes in me and how good that must feel. And right. I just, I don't know, it touched
1: a chord in me and I was out. Well, that's the stuff that makes me cry. Acts of generosity make me cry. I, I don't cry over the obvious sentimental moment in a film. It's when somebody is being selfless and generous with somebody else and that person appreciates it. And that's what I was seeing with those young filmmakers. Like, this guy gets me and I owe everything to him and I'm going to be there for him. And right. that's beautiful. It is, it's that it's it's a stunning film because Roger Ebert insisted on warts and all. And right. you saw his ego. You saw his narcissism. But you also saw him insisting, people need to see what I'm going through and you see a guy evolve from kind of an egomaniac right. into this guy who really finds beauty in walking with his family in a garden. I think he figured out what was important in life. Yeah.
0: And I have this quote of his on my wall that I had put up there before. I think it, I saw it when he died. So I I put it up there before I'd seen the movie. And I'm not, I'm not going to get it right. But it's something like, um, we must try to contribute joy to the world no matter what our circumstances or our health or our uh, finances or whatever we must try Um, I didn't always know this and I'm glad that I lived long enough to figure it out and I was like that's really something that I want to think about a lot so I printed it out and it's kind of it doesn't look very good but it's like I love the sentiment of it and you could see it in the movie like he's somebody that like figured out what mattered And yet he was still he was also passionate about films and he he was impressed with people like Scorsese and stuff he wasn't like he was a populist but he also had good taste and in other words he wasn't like oh I don't care about that stuff right he managed to bridge
1: both right yet at the same time what is what's so kind of edgy about this film. Is that somewhere, some somehow, Gene Siskel's wife is probably still rolling her eyes over what you just said. She's probably thinking, whatever. Right. I know. <laughs> I their relationship, the Siskel and Ebert thing,
0: was fascinating. Yes. And I like that they keep going back to it. Like it's not just one chunk and then they move on. Like it it was layered. And then at one point, the the Gene Siskel's widow says, "You know that Gene used to say that Roger's an asshole, but he's my asshole." Right. And so they were sort of stuck together and they knew that they were stronger together than without each other. And I think they were always afraid that one would leave. And, you know, like they were always trying to preserve the brand, but they drove each other crazy. What about those outtakes where they were just trying to do the promos for the show? It's gone. And they were fighting. <laughs> and they would be like, let's do it again. He didn't do it right and whatever. And the weird thing was, I thought Siskel was much more natural on camera in those out in those promos. Like... And Roger was the one that was always going, nope, you've screwed it up. And right. I, I thought that, like, it must have taken a lot for Gene to hold his tongue and say, no, I'm better at this than you. Because I think <laughs> right. he was. A little bit. at, at the, Just the reading the teleprompter, like that
1: kind of presentation. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, Eber probably thought, well, I love film more. Like, there, yeah. there might have been that weird argument going on.
0: But I like that, you know, when you watch that show and they bickered, you like to imagine that they had a really complicated relationship.
1: And boy, they really did. Yeah. But that's what made it exciting to watch. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, that film spoke to me also just because uh, I grew up loving and admiring film critics. And right. my, my dad would come home with Newsweek magazine, with David Anson's reviews, and Pauline Kale's reviews in The New Yorker. And he'd have a briefcase full of subscriptions that he would get at his office. And I would be first in line, waiting in his bedroom for him to come in the door with that briefcase. And I would grab everything. Who was your favorite? Like, which would you David go to Anson first? David Amson and Pauline kale So, okay. th- those were the so two. So, it was
0: Newsweek and The New Yorker? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah.
1: And sometimes Time Magazine, Richard Schickel. Right. right. Uh, it, it, Amson and Kael were like my touchstones. Right. And then Roger Ebert en- entered the picture as well. Um, and I recognized that he was doing sound bites on TV, but this guy had it going on. Right. You know, that he actually had a lot more depth than he was given in his little two-minute soundbites. Uh, but uh, I loved reading them because I grew up in a small town that nine times out of ten, those movies would never show there. Right. But I learned this beauty of appreciation of film. Right. And that excited me. I didn't care if I agreed with them or if I ever saw the movie. I loved how they just looked at a story... And it meant something to them,
0: right? Now you write your your reviews. You often post them on Facebook when you see a movie. Is it something that you like to do because it helps you process what you think about it? You like like a diary almost, or something yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 you know one of those things. It's like yeah, I do it for free. Well, I actually do do it for free. Right. Um, it's, it's it's a way for me to catalog uh, because I I like to look back and think what movies changed my life? Right. Or changed how I looked at something. Or just provided this beautiful moment or this kinetic moment or right. something that stuck with me. I and love at the
0: end of the year you always send out you don't send out like your ten best lists, you send out the best moments that you remember from movies. So you describe like when this happened in this one or this scene or whatever, which is a great way to remember movies. It's well, not just I, like I a didn't numerical make, thing.
1: Yeah, I didn't originate that. That came from Film Comment magazine. which I remember Film Comment. Moments out of time. That's their yeah. annual issue, which I would salivate over and couldn't wait until February of right. the next year for that to come out. Because that it, it really spoke to me about what movie moments can mean to you, regardless of what the rest of the movie is. Even. Right. You could love a second of it and it sticks with you in the, in the crappiest film. Right and and so that's how I approach writing reviews too. I look. I make films, so I know how hard it is to even make a bad movie, uh, and so I always find something to appreciate, even in the worst of films, because I know what went into it. So I try to look for like what was the inspiration, and it like I bet it was this moment, this visual. Right. And, this is know, cause, what because that's how I brought create everything out. films. I think of like one little moment sparks me to write the rest of it.
0: Right. The other thing I liked in. Uh, life itself was the Scorsese section Mm -hmm. and how vulnerable he was and I didn't realize this. Scorsese was kind of going through a rough patch professionally and personally. Like he wasn't Scorsese, the legend we know and it was Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert that sort of saved him in a way by giving him this commemorative thing at the Toronto Film Festival and... Scorsese gets all choked up talking about it. I was knocked out by that. And they burst his bubble by panning one of his films, too. Yeah, yeah. Which one did they pan? I forgot. I'm trying to remember. Oh, Color of Money. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which was not one of his greatest. Yeah. That was... I think this year, that the Roger Ebert movie was the one that's most moved me, most stayed with me that I've seen so far
1: this year. What's um, yours? Well, I have two so far this year that... And Life Itself is up there. It's, yeah. It's a great film, but... Uh, Two completely different films have really done it for me this year. One is *Boyhood* by Richard Linklater, oh, right. which knocked me out, and uh, the other is *Under the Skin* with Scarlett Johansson, which I just think is groundbreaking stuff. And I've not seen it. It's 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 almost like a museum installation, right? That somehow surpasses that and turned into just terrific, mesmerizing filmmaking. Right. And on. I had been looking forward to it since I read the novel over 14 years ago. Okay. And. I love that um, it was interpreted differently than the novel in the sense that the novel explains everything that happens in that movie and this one gives you nothing. Right. And you have to just put your own stuff into it and figure it out and it's just hypnotic, beautiful, great score, great direction. She's so fearless in it. And Doesn't
0: she just ask people to, if she can get in their car and stuff? Wasn't there something where they shot sort of guerrilla style? Yeah,
1: she's driving around Scotland and picking up hitchhikers and she's... I don't want to spoil too much, but right. she's got her own agenda, and um, she f- tries to figure out if these people she's picking up have any family or anybody close to them or anyone else in the world that they need. And the minute she figures out they're alone, something happens. Something nefarious happens to those ah. people. And so yes, they just drove around Scotland with hidden cameras all over her van and just picked up real people and see what to see what would happen.
0: Right. Well, I need to see it. I'll keep an eye out for it, like, at the New Beverly or something, hopefully. Um, now, something I want to complain about is I am not a nerd. And I feel like the nerds have taken over. And everything is nerd culture and nerdist and talk nerdy. God bless you, Kara Santa Maria, for helping me. But, like, I get the Entertainment Weekly and it's Doctor Who. And I'm like, mother Like Like, and Comic-Con. I just feel like Chris it's... Chris Hardwick. I feel like I... I feel like the nerds used to be, I feel like the nerds are running the show now and I don't have the gene. I don't have it. I'm not a gamer. I don't like, everyone's like, I'm a big nerd. Deep down, I'm a big nerd. I'm not. I mean, I'm a nerd for like, so
1: you think you can dance and but stuff. But that is a nerd. You are a nerd. You're just a nerd with the right stuff.
0: I'm not. No, I'm
1: <laughs> the nerd that, that that's, that's not... Um, no, you're the next wave nerd. Am I? Stuff- well, those... I, to me a lot of that stuff and you know God I hope I don't piss anybody off but uh, for me the Comic Con stuff it's like grow up come on like, thank you <laughs> like, like I can't deal with comic books I, I, mean, I can't I, I got the
0: fucking Entertainment Weekly and it's like Avengers and then it's Doctor Who and I'm thinking I might I'm going to say this I might let my subscription to Entertainment Weekly lapse which <laughs> if you told me that five years ago or four years ago or three years ago like, it's unheard of. I used to live for it every Friday.
1: Well, the old writers that got fired would be very happy
0: to I to do that they lo- I miss Owen Gleiberman. Yeah. I miss Lisa Schwartzbaum. Yeah. And now it's like, that back page is really and bitchy. Michael Slezak. Yes. Yeah. And it's all just like, all this stuff that I'm not into. What's happening? Am I getting old? No, it's just that there's more to life than good versus evil. Thank you. Yeah. I just want, like, real people. Right. With, like problems in the world and
1: I don't know like, yeah I mean yeah. there's sometimes there are hybrid films that get that the, there's more to it than just comic book storytelling Right. that have comic book origins you know like Snowpiercer is an example of something that surpasses that that i th- enjoyed quite a lot yeah I need but, to see that too but you know if you're like straight up you know Captain America Iron Man Spider-Man all that bullshit yeah. I, I, it's the same movie over and over to me and I'm being pummeled I can't yeah
0: I really feel like I have to speak out
1: for the non-nerds. Yeah. The, the non-nerds are the new nerds. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like watching Boyhood and just watching the transition from our young kid to like a year later when his hair is long and he's lying on a trampoline. It's movie magic to me. It's like, right. that's stunning to me. I could care less about a rocket ship falling apart in front of right. me in 3D.
0: Right. I also love in Boyhood that Patricia Arquette doesn't get Botox like she's. I wonder if they had a conversation about that, or if she, if Linklater just knew that. Oh no, she's not the kind of actress that would do that, or, or if he literally had to say to her, "You can't fuck up your face."
1: I think he knows brave actors when he sees them. Yeah, and he knew she was down for this, and and the, and, like, and she knew that it was a role of a lifetime. Yeah, because it is. She's phenomenal in it. Yeah,
0: I hope I'm not being shallow by saying that, but there's so many. Hollywood actresses that if you'd started shooting them 12 years ago or whatever it was they would they would suddenly get 10 years younger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of people that it wouldn't work with. That's my point. <laughs> a lot. A lot. But I like with the nerd thing it just seems like it's everywhere and I I don't know where, where my what to you know.
1: It's okay do. not to be in on everything. Okay. Alright. Um, you need to you need to like breathe and let yourself accept that you are you're, you're on the right side of history. Okay, I'm on the right side of history.
0: Yay! Now, um, you have been to my hip-hop, hip-hop class a few times, especially on the roof this year. Yes. Uh, Groove 3, and, and I love it very much. Sean Hayes was there this, this Monday. Sean Hayes from Will and Grace. Yes. And um, I know him a little bit. But what was funny is, I went to pay uh, at the ticket window, and the ticket-taking lady, who's seen me there all summer long and is very friendly to me, and... She's like, she takes my money and she gives me my ticket. She goes, and if you see Sean Hayes from Will and Grace up there, give me a hard time. Give him a hard time for me. And I said, well, why do you say that? And I couldn't really tell where she was coming from. And she goes, because when he bought his ticket, he goes, this better be good. And I don't know if if he was being bitchy or sassy or funny or whatever. But she's like, yeah, he said, this better be good. And I said to her, well, he's had a very difficult life. Trying to justify his thing. Why are you protecting him? No, that's the funny thing. I wasn't. But she laughed and whatever. He's probably kidding around. I think he must have been kidding around. But I thought it was weird that she would just tell me at the window. Um, but anyway, yeah, I did see him up there. He's a good dancer. He tore some shit up. I believe it. Left before, didn't stay for the cool down. I don't know. I don't like people that don't stay for the cool down. You're in it to win it. You're there the whole time. And yeah. breathe and roll your head and Yeah. Um,
1: not everybody likes cooling down. Not Maybe he I wanted guess to no. stay high. Maybe he wanted to. You know what? He wanted to leave at a peak. But that class is a blast. Benji Allen, who choreographed, if we took Our, a holiday, for which his, is the film we we um, made together, he just spreads joy in those classes. He's an ambassador of joy. Uh, he is, and you know, it's it's tough because my other friend Joseph Corella Sandler, who teaches Broadway Bodies which is another class that I take.
0: So you have to choose on a Monday night between Broadway bodies or uh, the rooftop
1: yeah. magic. Yeah, but fortunately both of them teach multiple days during the week. So, so you figure out a way to work. make it work. Right, but uh, those those classes are so much fun. Uh, you know, I'm not a dancer, and yet just taking a Broadway class or a hip-hop class, and Broadway's actually harder. Really? Yeah. What's the hardest routine that you've done? Well, there's a warm-up that you do for a half okay. an hour when you start of a medley of hits, and you have like top hats for the chorus line number and you have a scarf for the whiz number and you know you you really get into it that's a lot um doing those kick lines over and over again from one singular sensation from a chorus line it's really hard doing kick lines and and also there's this monkey move that we do during the hairspray warm-up right um that you want to collapse and then you're done with the warm-up and you still have half the class learning a new routine so you,
0: you feel like you should be done and you're not done no and it's a blast as well um, last night, speaking of dance, was So You Think You Can Dance. Uh, you're a fan. I'm yes. a fan. We have friends that are fans. I live in fear that it's going to get canceled every year. And it's, I mean, I think it would, I would take to my bed if it, ha- you know, like I really, I man, I love that show. I would, you would be inconsolable. I would be inconsolable, especially now because I'm in a weird place. Uh, you know, I. I um, so I think it would really kind of do me in but then last night um a few friends came over and and one of them said you know i haven't heard them say anything about the tour yet i don't know if the tour is happening the show's getting canceled there's no tour it's all blah, blah. and then at one commercial cat's like and if you're you know want to see them in person they're coming to tour and we're like oh the tour's happening thank god it was kind of like i hate. we're just on the edge of our uh lives with this show and it needs to keep going is my what, point what
1: is the appeal for you i mean i love the show but i want to know why it means <sighs> i something.
0: figured out something about it i love dancing i used to be a dancer i love the beauty of it but i love the kids and their complete lack of cynicism yeah
1: they those love young
0: being there. they're they're entertainers they're in show business hollywood whatever they're so uncynical they're so happy, and when they get their critiques, even though some of those judges are like not that fun to listen to or whatever. But looking at them and them trying to take in what they and they're so happy to be there. I think it's the utter lack of cynicism, especially in a reality show, and even with some of the singing shows. There's like a, a bit of a, of a cynicism, or there's a Simon Cowell, or there's a something. This show is sort of doesn't have any of that. I think I like the the um, youthful lack of jadedness
1: yeah it's pure it's 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 beautiful however yes uh, and and i love the show but i i have this weird thing it's almost like when i listen to a song i don't hear the lyrics for the first hundred times right and with these dance routines i often don't get the story right even when they explain it at the beginning of this is a story about a, a, a war veteran coming home right i sometimes don't see it when i'm watching it and so I don't feel that rush of emotion that the audience or the judges or the dancers themselves feel. Right. Uh, but every now and then I do get caught up and I get it. And I'm like bawling my eyes up for whatever reason. Right. For the, whatever that expression was. Right. But I don't don't always follow the you story. You don't always
0: get it. I get that.
1: Do you? Some, well, sometimes they explain it. And
0: then when you watch it, you're like not really putting it together with what you had heard. But sometimes there's something about the quality of the movement and the emotions that just touch you even though you don't quite know what they're trying to do, but you know that it's making you feel something. Sometimes you know, okay, like there's the addiction dance that I'm a big fan of from a few seasons ago. That's very clear what's going on there. And then other times it's not quite as clear, but there's just something emotional and beautiful about it. Um, Last night, one of my favorite dancers got eliminated, Emilio, Emilio? the hip-hop guy. And there was a moment when he was being critiqued when Nigel told him that he was getting better week after week. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And there was something about the way he took that in and the relief that I that almost made me cry because I know what it feels like to have a gatekeeper say, yes, you're on the right track. And when you feel like you're just like fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and, and I, that was all over his face when he did that. And I was like, oh, I know that. So. Well, because
1: he went through a couple seasons of not getting on the show, right? Yeah. And so you know he had like hurt himself right before getting on last season. Yeah, he so had been through, through a it. lot,
0: and you could see it in that moment when Nigel finally said, "Yes, you're doing, you're doing good." And then of course he got eliminated. But
1: and I think he's a great explosive dancer. He's like somebody that I would want to watch. He's really cute. He's great. He's really cute. I like him very much. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take to my bed now that he's off the show. I
0: actually. know. Um, did I already tell people that Brian Thompson's drawings are on the um my Facebook page? Um, if I, think so, I took but a holiday? It, I'm not sure if I did, it's but worth yes me mentioning. the penis gear shift is on the <laughs> if uh the um Dennis Anyone Facebook page. Now Glenn and I collaborated with Nadia Ginsburg on a short film, which I probably talked about on this podcast before, called If We Took a Holiday, which premiered at Outfest. And it was a lot of fun. We shot it a year ago, like this week. Yeah, that's hard to believe. Yeah, it's been a year, but um, we're all still friends. We all still love each other, and I'm really proud of it. I love it,
1: and we we've been getting into a lot of festivals.
0: Who do we? Who are we in? Who are we in?
1: We can't announce all of them yet. Okay. uh, So the ones that we can officially announce are. Let's see. We're going to be playing a lot in L.A., actually. we got yes. a lot of things coming up. The Holly Shorts Film Festival in Hollywood. Uh, Which is a mainstream film festival. Right. Yes. Um, we're going to be playing in... Um, well, all over the place. We should just... We're going to... Can we say the... Uh, we can
0: do the Long Beach Filmmakers Gallery. Yes. We're going to be playing at the Long Beach Filmmakers Gallery on the 16th. But then we have a lot Which of is other...
1: Madonna's Birthday.
0: Madonna's Birthday. Um, but uh, anyway, it's very exciting and um, I now now that we're starting to hear from these places I want to go to all of them and I can't afford to at yeah. all, but I'm like, oh I hey, want to go
1: fill that tip jar people and put
0: the money in the tip jar,
1: but uh, um, yeah It was one of those pure creative experiences where we got together because we wanted to do something together You know I really admired Nadia's talent and your talent and just thought let's just do something that we love and that that was our agenda I remember right. talking about that. It like, right. doesn't matter. We just want to make this. We do. And it came from that great place so that it felt so fulfilling. And you know, I've collaborated with a lot of different people already on different films. And this one was just, there was something magical about us being on the same page and being into the same thing and the direction that it was taking. Uh, that it was like from beginning, the first idea all the way through post-production And it
0: took a while. It it took like three or four years, I think. Yeah. From when we first started writing it. I think what I'm most proud about is I think the spirit of it comes through. What it's really about is, which is friends helping each other through stuff. And I don't know, that sort of, that sort of subtext thing that we always kind of had in mind, I think made it. Onto the screen. Which kind I'm of funny really proud that
1: of. you say that because in light of seeing Buyer and Seller last night, yeah, both our film and Buyer and Seller have this goofy concept, this campy concept. Ours with is a spending, diva spending the day with Madonna or right. getting to know Barbara Streisand. But the subtext on both of these is really about friendship. Yeah, and what the nature of it is, and they go in completely different directions. These pieces, but uh, they do explore similar themes. And they, they also, I think, hint at the idea that.
0: Sometimes meeting your idols isn't what you think it's going to be. I mean, in our film I you know, I never meet Madonna, but but we sort of get the feeling the tagline is sometimes the next best thing is better, which is you kind of know that with somebody that big it's loaded and not always right. easy. And well, if, both both of those projects have, have that going on thematically. Yeah, if you
1: really spent the day with the real Madonna, it would be nothing like this. No. I mean first she'd of be, all there'd she'd be no ta- in, she'd be instagramming the whole time.
0: That's true. There'd be no ta- there would be no taco truck. <laughs> uh, but there would probably be more um hot dudes, young there'd probably be more young people. Well, like sexy Brahims and so forth. Yeah. Um so let me see what else I have on my list. This is where I first Dennis anyone extra. Um your last film was called I Do and it came out right at the height of the marriage equality Right, right. As all of that stuff was going on, and it yeah. had to do with immigration and all of that. Um, where is it at now? Because it, isn't
1: it available for screening online and everything? Yeah, I mean, you can get it on Netflix, on demand, um, Amazon, your regular cable provider, DVD. You know, it was in theaters last year, and so right. now it's now it's just everywhere.
0: Now, are you hearing from people that see it sort of randomly? Like, I caught it on Netflix, or da 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 da. Like, yeah, what's
1: it? What's What's been like the cool stuff you've heard from it now that it's really out in the world? The coolest thing just happened a couple days ago, actually. I got an email out of the blue from someone who I went to high school with, who I haven't seen since high school. Right. And uh, her name's Joanne. Okay. And she just emailed me out of the blue and said, this is an amazing film. I am so proud of you. This is, you're great. I love this. Right. And it's such a beautiful love story. Out of nowhere. And and you went to high school with her. Yeah. I haven't seen her since then. And it's what like is. She's 17 it? years old.
0: And it's a it's a um, it's written and starring David Ross. You mm-hmm. you directed it, Glenn. It also has Jamie Lynn Sigler and Alicia Witt, Maurice Comte, and it yeah. has to do with um, a immigration story, a, a, a gay love story, but with immigration. It, they're not from the same country, so they can't be together, basically. Yeah.
1: and the, he, he this gay immigrant marries his lesbian best friend to get a green card and falls in love with a guy. And so it complicates the issue.
0: Um, it's a beautiful movie. It's so Thank well you. done, so well acted. And talk about timing! Yeah, if you had been like a few months later with that thing, it would. You know, when when Prop Eight went fell, mm-hmm. or when um, Doma fell, right? All of, a lot of the issues that your couple was dealing with. Well, the movie came out right when that was happening. Actually. Yeah, so it was kind of perfect timing for you. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, um, it, it's almost like we wanted this movie to Um, end Doma right and you wanted it to sort of dance on the grave of Doma well we eventually wanted this movie to be a museum piece right you know it's kind of like people who want to cure diseases they want to end their job right and so we wanted you know our ideal was yeah let's eradicate this discrimination right and so uh, but I'm so proud of the movie being of a very specific time and showing you what those struggles were right because that's important to historically learn from
0: I remember the first screening, you had a few people over at somebody's house to sort of give notes and stuff. It was a David's house. It was a David's house. And I didn't understand fully the ramifications for a couple from different countries. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought, well, can't they just uh, in New York? Well, can't they go get married in Massachusetts? And right. Like, I didn't, as a gay person, I didn't understand that the federal um, rules were what was screwing everybody over. Like, and if I didn't, you know, I'm relatively informed on that stuff. So, it was a great... Um, illustration of of the issues that people go through but it wasn't sort of a lecturing thing it was just a beautiful dramatic story yeah and in
1: the states in this country where gay marriage is not legal people yeah. are still going through this struggle right. so it's not over yet but uh, it happened to my own family I mean my stepsister married um, her wife who's Israeli and they married in California during that window when Prop 8 right. um, had uh, been struck down for a brief period and, uh, but that did not grant her wife citizenship. And so her green card ran out and they had to move back to Israel. And just in the last couple of weeks, they've gotten the hell out of there because of what's going on. Sure. There. And so they're back here where she can now legally get her citizenship. And so, so much has changed. Right. And that that's incredible that they, that they have that option.
0: That they wouldn't have had a few years ago. The, the option to not die. Yes. <laughs> it, it is life or death. Yes. Wow, and it must feel great to, to have um, worked on something that that
1: was part of that conversation. Yeah, it and meant a lot to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you went to so many different film festivals.
1: Yeah, all over was, the place. It was it was uh, it it was really gratifying the response that we got for that film.
0: Well, it's a great movie, and you should check it out. You can find it on all of those outlets we mentioned before, and probably some other ones. It's called I Do, and uh, it's it's wonderful. Um, let me see if I check my list. I, normally, uh, we used to, Tony and I used to tell dating stories. I don't have a lot, although I have, and you know this, I've had, I've been seeing kind of infrequently a dentist from El Salvador. And the reason I bring that up is that he told me that he had a client that I think is funny and that you might appreciate that would like moan in a sort of sexual way. In the chair, even before he did anything, like he wasn't, he didn't even have any, like tool up against his mouth. He'd be like, oh, oh, and he would, and it, the poor guy would just dread that this client would come in because he was like the moaner, and then the assistant would get embarrassed, and it was like, and it was somebody that was like had to have several sessions of dental work, and it was the it was felt like a Seinfeld character, like the moaner in the dentist chair. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't think that would be,
1: that would be weird. You're, maybe he just had some dental fetish. Maybe he, maybe he was really into it, but it was like, ugh. Like there's certain gay guys uh, who get off on, uh, watching other people's heads being shaved. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's like they, they, some, they, used to have like shaving, um, parties porn? at the fault line here Oh, in that's LA, cool. You know, where people got off on it and collected baggies of hair trimmings and things like that. I...
0: I don't have that, but I kind of get it. I mean, there is something kind of interesting about it because it's sort of—I don't know—it's a dramatic change. I don't know.
1: It's better than liking comic books.
0: That's true. It's I, you know what? I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd. I can't, I can't help it. I'm a nerd, and I'm so sick of like all these pretty girls on the red carpet. I'm just a nerd girl. I'm just in my comic books and my video games. Oh, shut up, Zoe Saldana. You know, like I've, I'm sick of that. Anyways. I'm not making
1: a lot of sense. Wow, um, Zoe Saldana! You just went there with I her. I just, I just pulled a name. Of the galaxy. Well, she
0: seems like she's in everything,
1: right? Yeah. Although I saw a clip today where she defended Britney Spears, and I like that. Oh,
0: I like that too.
1: Yeah. They she, were in Crossroads
0: they were together. In crossroads. She, which is my—I'm a nerd for that shit.
1: Yeah, and she just thought it was gross that people were exposing unauto-tuned tracks of Britney's. Yeah. And that she thought Britney was very engaged and sweet and down to earth, and said, you, "You defend your friend." I That's like that.
0: right. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Well, let me see if I have anything else on my little notebook. This was our first one of these sort of um, experimental things. Um, We will um, check out If We Took a Holiday page on Facebook, and we'll keep you up to date on where the festivals are. Thank you again to Clint Richardson in Dallas who donated in the chip jar. If you want to email me, the address is dennisanyonepodcast at gmail.com. Glenn, thank you so much for shooting the shit with me, and thank you, Sydney, for being an adorable dog. You know, my
1: dog just she—if you could see her, your heart would melt.
0: It would so it was so it was so melt. But All right, this was extra fun. It was extra fun. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll catch you next time
1: on Dennis Anyone. Bye.